In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm in Commerce City, Colorado on a hot and beautiful and windy day where Atlanta United has defeated the Colorado Rapids 3 to nothing. Uh, all goals came in the first half, two by Miguel Almiron in the 10th minute and the 18th minute to give him 11 this season. And then Hector Viaba scored his fifth in the 37th minute. Julian Gressel notched two more assists. He has 11, I believe, now this season. And Joseph Martinez notched his fifth assist. Uh, the victory... Moved Atlanta United past New York Red Bulls in the Supporters' Shield standing and atop the East with 57 points. Red Bulls play D.C. United tomorrow. It tied the post-shootout record for road wins in a season at nine. And with three points at San Jose on Wednesday, Atlanta United can tie the road points record set by Seattle in 2011 in the post-shootout era. I've been rambling on for a minute and three <laughs> seconds here. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore and Mike Conti of 92.9 FM. Jason, what did you think of today's performance? Professional, mature. Um, the third goal before the first half ended was was critical because then you could really just kind of walk through the second half and play it at a, at a different pace. You know, you didn't have guys who really had to expend much energy today. And that's the best way to get this done, to start this trip. You get the three points. It's a comfortable three points. You don't have anybody who's really coming out of it too gassed, too tired, and you get ready for San Jose on Wednesday. Mike? Big takeaway for me, uh, three five two looks great with Darlington Nagby and Eric Rometty coming down the middle. And uh, I saw your tweet before the match. I, I lean more with you. Jason was not surprised. I was that Nagby was in the 11 today, but boy, a hundred percent passing accuracy, right. including three long passes. Uh, really, really promising to see. I, I think this is the connection now going forward. And, and now, y- your question is, how do you balance this with? Uh, and we saw it a little bit today. I mean, how do you work Barco in? What do you do with Gressel? What do you do with Lorenowitz today? He played center back. These are decisions that Tata Martino will have to make. But the big takeaway for me today, uh, you know, in a match where you had full control, twenty minutes into it. You wanted to see positives from Darlington Nagby, and it, it was more than positive. It was very, very impressive. And now Atlanta United getting their players back. Uh, only a great Garza return away from really being at totally full strength. That does not bode well for the rest of MLS because Atlanta United right now is showing the form of a club that's going to win the Supporters' Shield and have uh, the advantage maybe of being able to host the MLS Cup Final. I'll... I'm going to write a Nagby sidebar Sunday from Monday after talking to him today. But it's probably going to lead with the first couple of minutes Colorado came out. They were pressing. They were really trying to put Atlanta United on its heels. And then Nagby got the ball, shimmied away from one guy, moved upfield a couple of yards, and hit a long diagonal that just tore up Colorado's 
formation. Boom. The pass ended up going out of bounds. Uh, McCann, I think, couldn't control it. But the fact that it was there and Nagby did it so easily, you quickly saw Colorado kind of retreat back a little bit. and They, they didn't press until the second half again. But that just shows you the, the power of having Nagby in the middle of the formation and, and what he can do and what his teammates have said he can do all week. Yeah, Nagby's a player I think you, you can take for granted at times because he doesn't show up on the stat sheet in terms of goals and assists. But 33 out of 33 passing, and they weren't all short passes either. They weren't all backwards or sideways. They were a lot of very important moves in build-up plays. And, and Nagby's just so comfortable on the ball. That was the biggest surprise for me was normally it takes a little bit of time to get that match rhythm back. He had it from the opening minute. I mean, his first touch was was immaculate. He knew exactly what he wanted to do every time. He was a step ahead of everybody. The other interesting thing about Nagby on the field to me is Almiron's 11 goals this season, uh, eight have come with Nagby starting. Hmm. Um, I asked Tata about that after the game, and he said he just – having Nagby there – allows Almiron to focus on mostly just kind of staying forward and looking for spaces to exploit, and that's what he's able to do today. The other one I would have to look up, not necessarily Nagby related, but of Joseph's five assists on the air, how many have been to Almiron? Uh, I I would not be surprised if it's all of them, and we saw that again today. That's another story. I think he had one to Barco. Yeah, you might be right on that, but I mean, four of the five, I think at least. This is not going to get talked about a lot uh, because, you know, we're looking at Joseph and his goal-scoring title and how prodigious that is. But, you know, here again today, Joseph doing work in all thirds of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, coming back into the midfield, doing work, winning a tackle down here in the corner in the second half when Colorado was getting on the front foot. Uh, you know, th- this is not a striker who's just poaching for goals right now. I mean, he continues to put in the work rate and play very unself- uh, unselfish at times soccer. And... Um, you know, here again today, that Joseph Almiron connection, the, the fusion, the Dragon Ball Z thing that we saw in the second goal, uh, really, really promising for Atlanta United, and again, scary for the rest of the league, if Joseph is going to be more than a one-dimensional player, which we know he is. I was uh, a little disappointed in Colorado's effort uh, in the second half. I thought they would come out and try to be a little more aggressive, and instead there was one sequence when Atlanta United probably connected at least 30 passes together. And Colorado just really didn't try. They weren't pressing. There were other times when Almiron got the ball on the wing with McCann and two Colorado players both retreated back into a a rectangle. Mm -hmm. Neither came to pick up Almiron. It was just, it it was, I don't know. It it was a team that looked like its season is done and they know it and they just weren't going to try as hard as you probably would want to see them try. The thing that Anthony Hudson said coming into the week was that he feels like the team is in a better place than they were when he started. I'm not 100% convinced of that, and and a lot of that was down to the things you mentioned here. Uh, Marlon Harrison looked scared at times. He looked scared to step forward, just did not play smoothly. Um, really nothing looked smooth for Colorado. It looked very disjointed from the get-go, and... Doesn't look like a team that's fighting for their manager. Doesn't look like a team that really knew what the tactics were coming in. I mean, you had nothing going forward in the first half with Giles Barnes and Sam Nicholson up top. And I've liked I've liked Nicholson playing as a second forward, playing underneath Jack McBean. And Jack McBean plays the number nine as a kind of old-school target number nine. 
Barnes gave you zero today. Yeah, he was invisible. Invisible and and hurt the team, I think, in the attack. Because how many times when Colorado, because they had 57% of the ball in the first half, how many times can you remember Colorado finally getting past the first line of pressure, getting to midfield, and then there's nothing. There's no options. It's a flat line across the field. Nobody running, no diagonal runs, no penetrating runs. It was just hitting a brick wall, and they'd have to start over again. And I thought uh, Rometty did a good job neutralizing Acosta today when he would try to get forward. Acosta had one good run through the middle of Atlanta United's defense, and Leandro uh, tripped him and, and caught him for the foul. But other than that, I thought his influence, considering the caliber of player that he can be, was pretty much contained. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I actually, um, you know, if there was one player that stood out to me for Colorado, especially as someone who was giving an effort, it was Acosta. Uh, and Castillo maybe a little bit. Uh, Acosta's promising, and, and you like to see that, obviously, for the men's national team implications. And I agree with you on Rometty. You know, another player that I don't think we should be taking for granted right now because he's playing in a little bit of a different role and he had a mistake-free match today and had two assists is Julian Gressel. Yep. And Julian Gressel now has 12 assists on the year. He and Miguel both in the top five in MLS and assists. Not making mistakes defensively. Playing as kind of that right fullback. Um, very promising. And quite frankly, this might be Julian's spot now going forward. Uh, especially if you're going to stick with a 3-5-2. This might be his spot going forward uh, because you're going to have to find ways to get Barco out there. He's too good to exclude. Uh, you have to keep this Rometty-Nagby pairing through the midfield. So, uh, you know, maybe Julian has found a little bit of a home here. That's one thing I'll say is I don't think there's any guarantee it's 3-5-2 outside of when you play teams that have two forwards. Mm-hmm. I really think it comes back to Tata Martino is is doing what his mentor, Marcelo Bielsa, made famous in terms of numerical superiority with center backs. You always want one more center back than the other team has forwards. Colorado came in today with a 4-4-2 diamond. You wanted a third center back. San Jose has generally played a 4-4-2, so you could see a 3-5-2 in San Jose, and then you could turn around and see a 4-2-3-1 back at Mercedes-Benz. It's it's not about being afraid of the opposition. It's just having the extra player. And I think Atlanta United is at a point now where three five two four two three one they play the same way. I thought Lorenowitz did well as a center back today. His last start as a center back, not the last time he played center back, but his last start, <laughs> I believe, came at Houston. It was, and yeah. that was just a disastrous yeah. performance. Not just for Jeff, but for everybody. But, but it's different now with Rometty. You know, yeah, and yeah. you got to remember too, Parkhurst did not start in that match. He, when was yep. Parkhurst brought on? When it was three 0 or four 0 in that match? So three 0 So it's different now. I mean, you had McCann basically playing the six right. that day. So it was just all out of whack. Uh, I don't think that's an indictment of Jeff Lorenowitz as a center back. No. But but I, I think again, you know, I don't think Jeff looks tired. I don't think he's begging to come out. But I love having that option now, where if you need to buy him a game off especially in this three-match and eight-day stretch, you have the flexibility to do that now. Right. Same flexibility with Michael Parkhurst. Um, th- these are good problems to have. And, and you know, Jason and I were talking before you came in, Doug, about where do you fit Greg Garza into this now if he comes back? And who could be the odd man out there? Because, 
uh, Garza can do some things that can really, really help you. So these are tough decisions for Tata Martino, but I think the one thing that we found with Tata, and I don't know if Jason would agree with this or not, I think he kind of likes sticking with his guys, his group. I think he's a little bit reluctant to make changes unless he's pushed into doing so for a matchup reason. And that's why, you know, the three five two we saw today, the personnel I think would likely stay the same. The four two three one that they've deployed a lot, I think again the personnel would probably stay the same in that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation right now with Atlanta United and you know, I see the the same clamoring in a game like this. Well play Carlton, play Carlton. This team's being structured to win a trophy at the end. And and playing in the three five two, even at half speed, you were put under a little bit of pressure at the end. Those moments are good for the team to have. Um, you got to play through it. I would not be surprised to see Carlton play some in, on Wednesday, maybe more minutes. Wednesday would be one where maybe it is the 3-5-2 again just because it's San Jose with two forwards. But you could see a Miles Robinson get some minutes as a starter. You could see a Carlton get a start. In the 3-5-2, I think you could easily play George Bellow as a left wing back, and he's very comfortable there. I'm going to disagree on that, only because San Jose has scored a, a lot of goals recently. Uh, they've they've been pretty good on offense. Um, it's a left wing back. It's not going to affect it. Well, not as much, not as much, because their goals are coming. I, I don't Robinson putting Robinson in. I, I don't know if that's what you want to do just yet against San Jose. Um, but I would like to see him play because I do think he's got a bright future. I just don't know if Wednesday is it. I think if they get nine points on this road trip, the game after. Uh, it's Red, Red Bulls. Bulls. The, game, the, game, the game after Red Bulls. Uh, New England. I think you're going to see the kids. Well, you, you've got New England, Chicago. If you beat Red Bulls, you are totally in the driver's seat for everything. And I'm not saying you're going to take New England, Chicago off, not by a long shot, but I think there you do have a window to get a little more. Um, you're the writer. Is experimentative a word? Nope. Okay. Well, I just coined that word. Yeah. You can you can get a little more open to experimentation uh, with, with your line. That's a good phrase, I guess. Uh, because look, I mean, you don't have to worry about Chicago. New England could be done by then. Uh, but I, you've got to go. That Red Bulls match is so critical, and honestly, the RSL match is really critical too. You can clinch a first round bye. Uh, if you get three points out of San Jose, you could be in position to clinch a first round bye in that RSL match. And I'm a little bit frightened about that RSL match, to be honest with you. With the way I know they haven't been good on the road, but the way that they have scored goals and the fact that Atlanta United gets back at what, like six in the morning on Thursday and then has to play Saturday night, feels like a trap game to me. It's tough. I mean, RSL plays, they host Minnesota tonight, and then they don't play midweek. Right. And they've been better on the road their last few. They have two recent wins on the road. So RSL, I think, has figured themselves out a little bit. It will be a tough one. But you have an opportunity in these next two games that, you know, you're going to be favored pretty heavily. So this is a team that's done well in that spot. I would expect them to go out to San Jose. It seems like, remember Philadelphia earlier this year where they stayed out on the road and, and trained pretty heavy on the road? I they played really well in that Philadelphia game, one of the best. So I think they go out to San Jose and get the job done, and you see who's ready to go against RSL because Red Bulls are looming after that. All right, we're going to wrap this podcast up here real quick. I uh, want to remind you all that I am going to go from here to San Jose. I'll be at training on Monday. Any news that happens at training, I'll be there to report it, uh, and I'll write stories both days going into Wednesday. Jason, what do you have upcoming? 
Uh, I'm heading back to Atlanta tomorrow. Uh, should get in t- town in time to watch Falcons and watch DC and Red Bulls. So I'll be flipping back and forth. Then heading out to San Jose on Tuesday. Do that one, and we'll have soccer down here. Kind of a weird schedule this week. We'll have some afternoon shows because of travel on Tuesday and Thursday, but we'll have live shows on soccerdownhere.net. Uh, make sure you're following us at Soccer Down Here on Twitter for the latest schedule. And neither of us are complaining about travel because, Mike, tell us what oh, you're I'm doing. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> really, I, I'm good. I, I mean, it, it's good when we love our jobs. What's right? on your flight? Uh, I got to get to the airport here as soon as we sign off. And I fly to Chicago, and then I got to spend four hours at O'Hare and hopefully get back to Atlanta in time to do the Falcons pregame tomorrow. I, I think I'll be okay. And then on to San Jose on Tuesday. And because I'm going to be busy, I'm charging you and Mr. Longshoe with finding some good restaurants because we're going to have two days in San Jose. And I, I want to take advantage of them if we can. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Again, Atlanta United defeats Colorado 3 to nothing on two goals from Miguel Almiron, another from Hector Vijaba, two assists from Julian Gressel, another from Joseph Martinez, and Eric Rometty got an assist, too. So did Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. So did Almiron. They added double assists to all of Atlanta United's goals. They should have. Uh, I did not realize that. Uh, so there you go. Atlanta United moves to the top of the uh, Supporter Shield standings, moves to the top of the East. We'll next play at San Jose on Wednesday. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. I hope you'll follow us on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I hope anyone who is in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, I hope you're safe in these hurricanes, or hurricane. I've lived through seven of these things. I know they're scary. So please take care. Please be smart. And this is me signing off. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.